Hey, everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Well, we've got another incredible episode for you today. Our guest is the one and only Dana Carvey. Uh, holy shit, I can't believe we got him. Brad, uh, Brad met Dana up in San Fran doing a show. Uh, he talks about in the episode where it was uh, Robin Williams, Dana Carvey, and Mort Saul. And Brad uh, was on the show and then got to hang out with these guys and uh, kept in touch with Dana. Ended up uh, helping his son, who's uh, both of his sons now are stand-ups and uh, opening for Dana on the road. And Brad built a relationship with him and, and helped his son out, I think, with a, with a school project where his son was shadowing Brad. And uh, kept in touch. And Dana was nice enough to come on the podcast. And uh, couldn't have been more entertaining, man. Such a sweet dude. Uh, anything you want out of this episode from Dana Carvey, it, it, he delivers. Uh, you know, we talk about where the character of Garth came from, uh, you know, developing his impressions, how he was, you know, a sketch guy that, um, a sketch performer, uh, essentially, that uh, found himself uh, doing stand-up, you know, just uh, out of, uh, uh, you know, wanting to continue to, to flex that creative muscle in front of a live audience. But, you know, his... His SNL days, uh, really, we get into, and it's uh, so fun to hear a, a guy like this who's, who's been, you know, making us laugh for, for so long, where uh, where he gets it from, how his uh, characters uh, develop, the, the material he's working on now. Um, there's, there's really nothing we don't touch on, and, uh, and it was tough to not laugh at everything he said because he's so fucking entertaining. Uh, follow Dana on Twitter at Dana Carvey. Follow Brad on Twitter at Funny Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. And of course, uh, every time you you hear an episode, we're loving all the Twitter action you guys are giving. Keep tweeting at us every time an episode comes out. Hashtag ABLN Podcast, and uh, just tell us how much you love the episode. We appreciate the feedback. You really don't get to hear it too much. You guys, you know, we're putting these episodes out. So anytime we get any sort of uh, response from you guys on Twitter or email or whatever, it's uh, it's really awesome. So keep doing that. Of course, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, download all the podcasts on your, uh, your iPhone or your Android. You can stream all the episodes at aboutlastnightpodcast.com. Tell all your friends and family. Tell them to get the podcast. Tell them what kind of guests we've had on, man. It's it's really uh, the, the the more fun that we get to have here and you guys get to have makes us want to keep getting cooler and cooler people to uh, to sit down with us. And uh, and it's only going to get better. Uh, we've got John Krasinski coming up from The Office. Jason Alexander, who, of course, played George on Seinfeld. I can't wait for that. Uh, Nick Thune, incredible comedian. Uh, Dom Herrera, legendary comic whose stories will just blow your mind. Jerry Ferrara, who plays uh, Turtle on Entourage. Of course, that movie's coming out in June. So uh, it's just going to get better and better. Uh, of course, go to astoymerchandise.com and get all your ABLN uh, uh, merchandise, shirts, tank tops. We've got a few of those on there. Uh, you, you've got a few more days before the holidays. Get them at Astoy Merchandise, E-S-T-O-Y, merchandise.com. They make great stocking stuffers or Hanukkah stuffers or just fucking cool-ass shirts or tank tops that you want to wear because you love the podcast and you want people to know that you love the podcast, right? You wear shirts of your favorite bands. Why can't you wear shirts of your favorite podcast? I just made that. I just made up that little business pitch, but that sounds great. Pick up an A and about last night T-shirt. You wear your favorite band shirt. Hey, you wear a shirt of the Goo Goo Dolls. Why can't you wear a shirt of the ABLN podcast? I don't know who that was, but but he he makes a good point. Of course, a few more tour dates before the end of the year. Brad will be at the Kansas City Improv December thirty first uh, at seven and uh, ten o'clock. Uh, get your tickets at improv.com. I will be at my home club, The Parlor Live, in Seattle, Washington, December 26th and 27th. 7.30 and 10.15 are the shows. Uh, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. I haven't done a hometown show in two years. Please get your tickets at ParlorLive.com. Come out and see me. i got tons of new material. Uh, December 26th and 27th, Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington. Going to be a blast. And then, of course, I'll be headlining the uh, Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Casino in Las Vegas, December 29th through January 4th. That's New Year's, baby. Come party with me on New Year's. Let's do it right. Ring in 2015. Um, it's been an incredible year. Brad and I could not be more grateful for all the uh, uh, ABL and listeners that have uh, been with us from the get-go. Uh, meeting you guys at shows. I've met some, uh, some listeners, some fans in Ontario a few weeks ago. Uh, a real sweet dude who, who's been listening to us from the get-go. And uh, so cool to hear that, man. And, and to hear, you know, what he loves. And he was even telling me, he was like, hey, the outro song, man, I'm not such a fan of it. And I was like, oh, fuck off. No, it was, uh, it was uh, it's, you know, it's just great to hear hey man positive net whatever like the fact that you like have criticism at this point is cool to me because that shows that you love the show man it's uh you know you you gotta love something to, to have an opinion about it and um and we appreciate it, man we, we we love doing this podcast brad and i have have really grown to becoming great friends through it and uh and i hopefully it resonates with you guys and uh and we don't want to stop doing this because it's a blast so keep listening keep subscribing keep telling your friends uh but for now since that's all the tour date info, that's all the merch info, those are the Twitter handles. So now, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy an incredible 90 minutes with one of the best uh, entertainers in the business. You know him. You love him. The one and only Dana Carvey. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and... No podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. You do it like this. Yeah, we just get right into it. Yeah. No, but I mean, holding it. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Don't have oh, do we, yeah. Did you want a mic stand? Not at all. No, oh, I, feel boy. Like I feel like I'm going to off to a sh- uh, to a sh- to a rough. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. here's kind of the surprise of the day. Just sure. to start off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This actually, I've got the room wired, and Brad <laughs> is actually on my podcast right now. Wow, what this is the? like fuck. <laughs> this is, this is like the inception of podcasts <laughs> yeah. right now. It's a podcast. You did have a weird... I like of... the reference. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, an man. interstellar, inceptional... <laughs> so yeah. by the end of it, no one's going to get what's, what, what's <laughs> right. going on. Brad and I saw... Have you seen Interstellar? Oh, of course. I would yeah. see any science fiction. I watched okay, 2001 the next day. Oh, wow. Here. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to... What was that like? Um, it's just abject genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the, uh, uh, I'll try to sound intellectual. The aesthetic, audio and visually, yeah. is so overwhelmingly the message. And that's why it's a movie that resonates yeah. uh, for so many decades and will keep resonating. Wow. I don't think you could do that now. I mean, just kind of grumpy old man type. Talk, you know. <laughs> they can't. The technology's not there. <laughs> Although I like, I like the you know, I like, I like science fiction. I like any smart science fiction. Uh, Alien and uh, aliens, maybe not, but Alien. I like, you know, yeah, I like. Um, close what game. about iRobot? Uh, didn't catch that one. Okay. Oh wait, I think I did. With I, Will Smith? I loved. I liked. Um, yes, I yeah. did like that. I did too. I liked. Um, Although, I but pl- for my kids, yeah. Planet of the Apes. Oh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Blew their minds. Yeah, right. Before that, um, let's see. That well, there was Soylent Green. Loved it. 
Logan's Run. Loved it. Yeah. So I like yeah. science fiction. Yeah, Planet of the Apes was one of those movies where the CGI was so good, it took me a few days to adjust to reality where I was like, outside of a quiz, and I was like, that, those, are, those were fake apes, right? Like, we're, I'm safe here. <laughs> Can an ape make a doll that speaks? <laughs> this is the forbidden zone. Humans have always been. I mean, when you look at Rod Serling, yeah. who did the rewrite, he's, his fingerprints are all over it, especially the genius of the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah. yeah. My God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who was better than Charlton Heston? So good. Well, as I mean, the pre-male worship body yeah. on camera, <laughs> where you because you, you'd have Steve Reeves, he'd be all pumped up and shaved, and he'd look like an idiot. And then that now that's become a new religion. The male torso is bigger, yeah, a bigger deal than the female torso. Never thought I'd see that grumpy old man in my day before you kids were born. Hey, how is the echo in the room? Uh, I think it sounds all right. Okay, so. I mean, we'll this find is just out. referred to as the bunker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hollywood, California is where we are. Yeah, I love it. This is a, this place came furnished. Yes, and it is kind of Kubricky, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit. But I'm a fan. It's um, a it's lot just, of shapes. Yeah, I mean it's just high ceilings. We totally opposite. We have like a little gingerbread 1909 wooden house up there mm-hmm. that sways good and during seismic activity. <laughs> Important. This one will probably withstand it. Or yeah, because uh, you were telling us earlier before uh, before we came on that you just kind of moved down here and uh, yes. you're spending more time here is because uh, your sons are now getting the stand up. My sons are in stand up. When I was raising them up in Northern California, I'd go out and do stamp, and I was always trying to get back. To, to be with my sons yeah. mm-hmm. and be a, a present dad. Yeah. And uh, now they're with me. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I'm already with them. So yeah, they yeah. were with me at the Irvine Improv last night. So we've been doing gigs. And I, um, yeah, I just consider myself, I, I'm pretty simple. Like I, I shop at the Gap. Are you? Yeah. I, I'm like, I could live in this or something mm-hmm. else. I, I don't know. I, you don't need much to, to get by. I don't know why, and I'm more shallow than anyone I know. It's not <laughs> self-congratulatory. I have a Honda Pilot. Um, yeah, it was weird you gave us a copy of uh, your headshot and resume when we walked up. I was like, dude, we know what you've been on. But <laughs> <laughs> My tactic in the 80s when I was reading for things oh, as yeah? an unknown person was to never have a headshot. And so I would be the guy without a headshot. What I would do is I'd memorize the script. Then I'd crumple it up, put it in my back pocket. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I went in to meet them. I would pull out like three of them, sides, and go, well, yeah. which, which one is this? I didn't really, I got to go in a second. So I was trying to create power oh, when I didn't like, have Oh, it. hey, I'm busy. I got, yeah, I like what is this again? On. You're Paul, what, Newman? Nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I did read for Paul Newman once. Yeah, Whoa. Really? And John Woodward. Yeah. Whoa. I was horrible. I couldn't even speak. Uh, how intimidating was that? Well, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I couldn't even talk. And they paired me with a woman who's probably a really good actress. Mm-hmm. I came in. John Woodward had the dog. Paul Newman was there, you know, and. He was incredibly nice. And then I just couldn't speak. I basically was horrible. And I go, well, that was nerve-wracking. We got outside, and she goes, you blew it, man. (laughs) How would you handle... You blew it for me. (laughs) How would you handle auditions? Like, would you... If you uh, did kind of have that uh, scenario go down, would you try to save it with a laugh or something or try to do something... I funny would, but I, I bomb. I mean, sometimes I get feedback. Not only do they not want you for the part, you frighten them. <laughs> I, I, was, I was over 100 for many, uh, probably. I tested for Amadeus. Wow. I mean, either one of the most. Yeah, of course. One. Incredible. I read for Risky Business. I was, an old, I was a 26-year-old, but I was reading with uh, Eric Stoltz, Matthew Broderick. They yeah. were eight years younger. Okay. You know? And I tested for, um, God, what was the one with Matthew Broderick where there are nuclear secrets? I don't know. Uh, anyway. uh, war games. Yes. I tested. It you was tested for war games. It was me and Matthew Broderick. Oh, yeah. oh. But I looked a little too old. It, was, I was it really does come down to 
look at the end of it, doesn't it? Like when you get down to that, like I just lost yeah. out to something, some Ken Jeong MTV show, and I literally was like, "There's no way I'm not going to get this." Just for how I felt it went. The uh, yeah. and then they brought in a kid who was blonde and long hair to get it, and it was between, and he wasn't even testing in the room, yeah. but it was just they were like, they didn't think you looked like the type of girl guy that this girl would date. Well, once you're on the other side of the desk where people are coming in mm-hmm. and auditioning. Then you really see the folly of it, and I al- I always sure. want to tell everyone everyone here is in a range of pretty much the same. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought that Brando had read just before me emotionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. Pacino was just yeah. and now it's me. But I realize everyone just kind of reads lines. Yeah. Most acting's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just acting. How are you guys doing? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, right. well, should we keep? You know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because when you had the uh, Dana Carvey show, then you were kind of. Then you wore yes. that hat, and you got to cast people. Yeah, and um, it's one of the weird parts of my existence on the planet is that having my my classmates from that post SNL become such comedy icons. Yeah, Steve, Steve Carell. Carell and Colbert, Colbert right? and that's of course incredible. Louis C.K. Oh, that's right, Louis was on that. And show I remember too. meeting Louis over at Brilson Gray to just one on one to see if I would was be willing to hire him as my head writer. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that funny? And uh, now he's the best stand up. He is, isn't uh, he? No kidding. Around right now. Did you pluck him out um, uh, by yourself? I mean, did you no. S- really, a lot of a lot of that stuff came through Smigel, who had written with with, with Conan, and I worked with on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Robert the voice of Triumph, the the the, the yes, comic and one of the, probably the best top to bottom. If you had to get a sketch writer for a show, mm-hmm. you'd probably start with Smigel. Okay, I've known a lot of brilliant ones, um, but Carell came in into the room. It was me, Louis, and Robert. And um, he was kind of nervous. He just didn't really do that well. But, you know, I looked at a tape later and I said, no, no. Yeah. This yeah. guy. There's is- a sketch that uh, uh, I think has kind of come back in popularity via YouTube. And because Steve has uh, now shot to popularity, yeah, the uh, Germans that say nice things. <laughs> yeah. And it's just awesome. It's, it's so good. And you see them. Uh, you you see you yes. and Steve in that sketch, and I I think you could really see it in him that he's got something there. Yeah, and he also did um, uh, nauseated waiters, which they both have said got them the Daily Show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, when I run into him, I go, "Come on, guys, you would have made it." They go, "No." They say at least maybe they're telling me you know, we really needed that yeah. at that time because yeah. they've been passed over. They were in their early thirties, mm-hmm. but um, when I did the Germans who say nice things it was pure Steve, just a brilliant, <laughs> simple. You know, right to camera thing. He was like John Lovett's barrel chested, or is. And so he would do it, and I go, okay, I'm going to see, can I just be as loud as he can? Yeah. And never quite made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys- he could always be louder than me. It was a pleasure babysitting Kevin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the sensibility of that show and the sensibility of those guys uh, really, really enjoyed it. It was just very fast. Yeah. It did not belong in primetime <laughs> network television. Well, I mean, you, you say that you were uh, not cast in so many things and you went out for so many things, so... When, like, how does SNL then, how, how, how do they discover you? Well, it's such a long thing, and I, I was talking to Dennis Miller about it, because um, Steve Martin's book was such a, I thought, such a cool yeah. T- way. Yeah. Just here's well, 10 well, years, here's where, yeah, yeah, I was at Knott's Berry's Farm, and, and, and now I'm the biggest comedian in the country. My journey was so bizarre <laughs> because of my... Uh, insecurity and lack of clarity as to who I was. But suffice to say, this is what happened. I started mm-hmm. doing stand-up, and then I, L.A. or Hollywood kind of recruited me from San Francisco. I had a deal with NBC. I was on 
put in shows. I was on uh, the Marie Osmond Variety Show. Nice. Wow. And um, I was there when um, she did a love duet with Jeff Conway from Taxi. Oh, yeah. And then they did a kiss. Uh, this is in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then they kept kissing and kissing and kissing. And all the brothers came from out of the shadows. Marie, <laughs> Marie, <laughs> Marie. You know. I, was, um, I was in a, a pilot called Alone at Last with Gene Roach. Every time I got a phone call, I thought I was fired. I was in One of the Boys with Mickey Rooney and Nathan Lane. You were a mime and this is Spinal Tap? I was a mime and this is yeah, Spinal Tap. Billy so, Crystal? So good. <laughs> with Billy Crystal, mime is money, yeah. Yeah. I read for those guys, uh, you know, who were also brilliant, Harry Shearer and everything. Oh, yeah. and so there I was coming in, and again, same thing. I, I said, wow, this is so nerve-wracking. You guys are all loose and fun. And I'm, so they just left the office and then mm-hmm. said, you sit there and we'll come in. So they were very cool. Yeah, to yeah, me. yeah. Oh, no, oh, I was going to be the drummer who blew up and stuff, <laughs> but somehow they gave me that part. It was very nerve-wracking. Oh, they said, oh, you can stay here and not speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I didn't get a speaking line. So you were, do- so you were auditioning a lot and just trying to find your voice I was in, in uh, Blue Thunder with James Ferentino. I had two tracks. I was in L.A. and they kept, anytime they put me in, want to put me in something, I'd say yes, like mm-hmm. an idiot. And the other side of me, I was just developing the stand-up yeah. in the San Francisco scene, like crazy, like Church Lay, all this stuff was happening, but Hollywood would say you want to do this. And then finally they offered me a spinoff of Punky Brewster called yes. Fenster Hall. It was 30000 back in the day, and uh, that I did turn down. And then I went back to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I just did stand-up. I'd kind of given up. The final thing I did was um, uh, Tough Guys, Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas's last movie. Wow. Again, as the straight man. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to be funny. <laughs> Jeff Canoe was the director. I said, wouldn't it be cool if I gradually start to take on their mannerisms? Yeah. So you know, I kind of shot to talk like Kirk Douglas, you know, a little bit. But Lancaster, how are you fellas? You, you sound different, you know. I don't know why you sound like that. My kids don't really know those guys, but right. they love when I do them. They go, I was just gonna ask. They just go, those yeah. guys should be movie stars. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think they have a future, or yeah. maybe a past. It, I don't know. Something about a guy who talks like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, do you ever cater your impressions? Like when they were growing up, like would you like try to do like a like a SpongeBob or like the things that they were into just to? You really? mean when I was growing up, or no, when we kids were growing up? Oh yeah, I mean a little bit w- when I was really in my sort of uh, alone years and my wilderness years and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. still have that outlet. So yeah. I had Winnie the Pooh. Shampoo and stuff, and they'd be in the tub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The trouble, the thing about figures, the thing, you know. And then eventually they go, Dad, could you kind of talk regular? <laughs> I didn't really like that. But then shortly after that, because I've been doing the stand-up, I was very lucky to get Saturday Night Live. And that was about a 10-year period of doing all these ridiculous TV shows. Mm-hmm. But I've, So you put in a ton of hours, and you were like kind of – do you feel like you were ready when you got it? Because I know uh, – No. <laughs> okay. Oh, no kidding. Well, Terrified. I'd never done sketch comedy. So your stand-up, you were working out all your characters and impressions through your stand-up. Yeah. But, but that's just by yourself. And that's a completely different beast, right? To be... Oh, oh yeah. Well, the first sketch I ever really did, formal sketch, was the cold opening of Saturday Night Live. Holy shit. Now they bring in mm-hmm. people and they're in the JV squad for like three seasons. And then yeah. they're a feature player. This, this is my first sketch. And I kept wanting to look at the audience every time I got a laugh. I right. had to go look at Phil Hartman, look at Jan Hooks. You could look it up. I kept going, get a laugh, look to audience. <laughs> oh, man. So we were just thrown in, and I had no... I just got sick to my stomach for two months when I found out I got it. Well, I mean, uh, pe- uh, people also need to realize when you came in, your cast, that was right after Lorne had left but then was coming back. 
And yes. that was after uh, people had said that the show was dead. That was like the Robert Downey Jr. year. The, yes. Yeah. So it, it, I think in your in your class was Hartman, Jan Hooks, yourself. Mm-hmm. Kevin. Uh, yeah. Ke- Kevin was a feature player. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you guys essentially were that cast that saved the show. It was going... It, Thank like, you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you, had, you had Randy Quaid as like a feature player on Saturday Night Live. It, it wasn't was, exactly working. It was a star-studded thing, and they, they all got fired, and that was just <laughs> the incredible whimsy of me being around at that time, and they mm-hmm. were going to recast. And looking back on it, well, we were told the show, for the first and only time, didn't have a full-season pickup, that we only had an eight-show commitment. Wow. And that was the only time in the 40-year history. So we were told by Lauren and, and Dinah Minot, the, one of the producers, you guys got to hit the ground running or you'll be the cast that turns out the lights on 8H. Oh, shit. Holy so, shit. Yeah, no pressure there. <laughs> uh, I, I know. And I just, I looked around and I, I always thought of the early cast um, who everybody revered as badass pirates. They might yeah. slug you in the face or make you laugh. Yeah. Like Belushi <laughs> might pull a knife on you. Oh, yeah. Or Bill Murray might just beat you up. <laughs> well, and then I mean, I, <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, we all know... Neelan loves to pull knives on people. That's what he does. <laughs> well, Neelan, when I was doing the commercial with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Kevin's a big guy, 6'4", yeah. 247, oh, yeah. and then he had the Hans and Franz thing. Oh, like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. people kept saying, well, is Aaron Rodgers a pretty big guy in person? I go, not really. <laughs> not next to Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Neelan. The oh, comedian. Yeah. Now, there's a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was terrifying. And, Did you have anybody, any like uh, older statesman kind of, uh, you, you know, the way, like I always talk about this with stand-up where it's like when we find uh, uh, early on any young comic finds a, an older comic to, you know, mentor a little bit. And like, I feel like if you get on the show and you're terrified, did like, you know, did Bill Murray come in and go, hey, man, I see some promise in you. Like, here's some tips just to like know or do you have to just figure it out? Not really. Dan Aykroyd visited, I think, and just told us all about finance and how to invest money. <laughs> he was, he was like, uh, I got this idea for vodka that, that <laughs> yeah, exactly. comes out of a skull. You guys are going to love it in 15 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, it was Lorne in a way. He was the guy you would look to, and when he'd make these references, you'd come up with a sketch, and you'd be like, well, Danny had a similar thing, you know, Dan <laughs> yeah, Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, never yeah. gave you the full name. Yeah. Steve, Martin, yes, yeah, yeah, Paul. Yeah. Simon? Yeah, 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 that guy. <laughs> it was all terror. It was all it, the luck of what stand-up did for me is that I'd done, let's just take the example of the flukiness of yeah. the church lady's explosion for a lot of reasons. Um, I had really worked that rhythm out in the small clubs, in the Haight-Ashbury 80 seat club. So I kind of knew, even though I was terrified, I knew where the rhythms were. And I knew mm-hmm. that, well, isn't that special? I'll just say it. It's a <laughs> yeah. little song. And, that sketch was barely made it on the first show. I'd never worn a dress. I had to keep telling everyone she doesn't have, per- she's just androgynous, you know, mm-hmm. no padding. Because yeah, you're bringing in this character, but the, then the costume and Lauren are going to yeah. have their own ideas about how to. Yeah, but Lauren's, he's pretty good about, okay, you do your thing, you know, whatever. And yeah. it was the last <laughs> sketch on the first show. And then when I did say, well, it, well, isn't that special? Sigourney Weaver was the guest. Mm-hmm. Huge laugh, just like in the clubs. And then I yeah. was home. You know, it's like of course, yeah, it's you like, knew. Okay, I know I've got this. Yeah, now. how big of a relief was that when you when you get that big laugh? Completely, completely surreal because the very first show I ever did and the very first sketch show I ever did, I had chopping broccoli at the end of this show. Oh my god! And I had oh. Church Lady became the first sketch. I was in the cold opening, and then we did an Aliens uh, parody, and I played the Bill Pullman part. Yeah. So my manager at the time, Brad Gray, came into my. Dressing room, and again, I'm so nervous. I'm swearing at myself in the mirror. Fuck you! Because I just 
this is it. This yeah. is it. I mean, it comes down to that one night. He goes, Brad Gray talks like this a little bit. He goes, I don't know why that is. I don't know why this happened, but it's your show. Because I was cast like just 45 days before. I had played a pizza parlor in Martinez. Oh, my like God. Like five people. Now I'm in, I'm, I'm, the show's going to be canceled, and I'm in five things. It's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> I see you, I see you at the party. Okay. Oh How do you handle that amount of, I mean, from that and then from, I mean, Lauren and just also your own pressures of, like, you, you know this is such a huge opportunity to I, take it up I, The only thing I could attribute it to is just the 10,000-hour rule, course of stand-up. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that that saved me. That saved me because I'd done a lot of nerve-wracking stand-up in my day, too. And, you know? and just knowing that you had that skill, like, hey, I've performed in front of live audiences before. Not necessarily sketch, but, like, and, and that's why when you get that laugh as the church lady, it's like, okay, I'm home. I've done this before. Yes, and then because of people looked at it politically because of the Reagan era and mm-hmm. the sort of born-again thing, and that, that wasn't my intent, but... Uh, and then having Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks right at to, to the ready when... Two big sexual scandals hit Tammy right. Faye Baker and oh, Jim yeah. Baker, yeah, and and they did them brilliantly. So it was just all this, just uh, just blind luck, and it really, really, really helped uh, lift the show for everybody, including me. Was you know, yeah, was Phil ever like because as an audience member watching Phil Hartman and mm-hmm. watching Phil Hartman even give interviews, he was kind of like an Andy Kaufman where I you you, you never thought you ever really met him. Yeah, <laughs> was like he—he he was always doing a character. Was uh, did he have moments when you guys were writing where he was just Phil? Oh, totally. Yeah. and he was a really, really close friend of mine. And um, he um, in Encino, where my wife and I had a house, our kids were right around the corner from them, and so we were mm-hmm. always hanging out together. But John and I would tease Phil. John called him the Wall <laughs> because you did—you know—it took a while to get to Pat. Phil was very reserved in that way. Hello, fellas. In fact, when I first started hanging out with John Lovitz and Phil Hartman, it was all mm-hmm. the '40s guy all the time. How you doing? What's the word in the street? You know, oh, that's I go, so great. I go, who are these guys? <laughs> Hello, I'm Ned. You know, do anything else? Yeah. It, it's strange. Uh, uh, when I first met John Lovitz, I, I thought that that was all a character, but no, that he's like that all the time. He's, yes, he's just—he's always talking. Brad, come play my club. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my one of my best yeah. friends is uh, Lisa Kudrow's nephew, and John, you know oh, Lisa. Yeah. No, and so he, uh, I went up to John at the club, and that was like an icebreaker for me. So I was like, "Hey, John, we have a mutual friend, my oh, buddy yeah. Spencer." And he goes, "How is Spencer? Is he still Jewish?" <laughs> John, if there is, a, yeah, exactly, that's it. John. Yeah, I know. Uh, we he was over here so uh, in the bunker. A while back, and you know, he by he eventually made it to the keyboard, and then it was okay. just the John Lovitz, Dana Carvey's gay. <laughs> and my wife was just in the chair, just tears of for about an hour, takes oh it up God. the board, board. <laughs> and it's just how much joy is in his eyes. I mean, John is 10 years old, and he's also definitely was around in the 1940s. Oh, yeah, because I mean, oh, you really? can't, his look, his voice, everything is just it's perfect. So, who he was in a league of their own is pretty. <laughs> Pretty spot on. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. that. Well, he has a very vulnerable sweet side. When you take him down to that, he's very... And then he does have this sort of hello. And, yeah. you know. Now, did you kind of latch on to John and Phil? Uh, like, were they some of your favorite people to write with when when you first got on the show? Well, John tells a story, which I guess, you know, I have this kind of, I don't know, faux cocky persona that I guess I use to deal with stress. Mm-hmm. And I'd kind of known John a few weeks at this point. So he's the star of the show. He's the liar. 
Yeah. So he tells the story that I go into his office and I go, hello, John. I'm, the way he tells it, I go, I'm planning on hitching my wagon to a winner. <laughs> that's what I said to yeah, him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I immediately liked him and Phil as well. They were just very sweet, fun, nice people to hang out and with. And that's huge, right? Because, like, I mean, the, uh, would you guys go out to kind of build any sort of camaraderie? Yeah, we to- hung out a lot. We yeah. were immediately friends. Um, you know, it was just great to look over at John Lovett's uh, we were doing the William Shatner sketch with the nerds, you know, get a life, people. Yeah. 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 And John just made me laugh. He just was a, a sweetness to him. And Phil was just, you know, which you probably heard about, but he was just sort mm-hmm. of a, a Renaissance kind of guy. He would do an oil painting or sometimes he'd come over, we'd play guitar, he'd play the blues, and he'd do all these voices, and then he could just be a, an actor. He could be the sidekick or the lead. He was just yeah, sort of, and, and most of the time on the set, his binder, because he was always in 20 sketches, because he was the glue, which yep. was the nickname I gave him. <laughs> no kidding. The guy who holds the show together, and it right. stuck. Hey. Hey. And he would be fastidiously <laughs> organized, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. And then, But that would be off to the side. And then we'd ha- he'd have, like, uh, some motorboat-type magazine. He'd be reading about the schematics of an Evinrude motor. Or he wouldn't. Jeez. It was sort of a thing he did. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. he ever really... Was that, you know, enamored of it? Do you, so do you think he's just like reading the magazine going, they think I'm into boats. This is so cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, to- I'm totally fooling them. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Do they know hot air balloons about thing? But I was a little more disorganized, and that was just my ADD kind of personality. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to throw it away. Um, well, I learned to throw it away. You don't want to peak on Wednesday. Sometimes you yeah. could blow it out so hard to get it on the show. Right. That you never got back to it, as I learned to kind of get it good enough to get it on the show. Even the dress show, make sure you don't do it perfect. Make sure it's kind of not quite as good. So when you're on the air show, you're discovering it for, at its best. Oh, and shit. the audience will see that in your eyes. And that probably takes a few years to figure out, yeah? Or- yeah, I think I really got more relaxed after about three or four years. I don't think I was able to do that show properly the first three. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You, you really need that time to sit into it and kind of... Watch it happen, and a lot, and because the whole concept of live sketch comedy that goes out to millions of people, there's nothing, there's nothing really like Saturday Night Live except Saturday Night Live. No, it's 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 a it's a singularity, and you'd be in the uh, in between sketches, and they'd be ripping off. You'd have an underclothes and bobby pins it's like it literally like indianapolis 500 they're just tearing yeah. off your wig and plopping it on and just and then you have to and then a lot of rewrites at ten thirty, and it'll yeah. be in the cards so you're going out reading it cold they're just fussing with you five seconds they're rushing you in the chair and then you have to remember oh have fun have fun <laughs> try to remember that yeah right while, while they're shoving you out there and while they're explaining new ske- uh, changes to the script and while all, yeah, all of it just wild and weird yeah. and the slat is going down are they going to get up in time mm-hmm. three seconds you know it, yeah there's a couple uh, uh, crazy uh, this guy Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney they're on the show right now they yes. uh, went to USC with them and Beck was telling me when I went out and saw him there he was like there's sometimes he was just, just trying to describe the chaos, but he was like, there's sometimes I'm reading something for the first time on air. And I was like, and, and like you just said, he's like, I have to try to remember to like, oh, yeah, enjoy this moment. But there's so much happening that you're having yes. to also concern yourself with that that can sometimes. Oh, yeah. One time they put a really, really, really tall guy and church lady and the cue card guy didn't notice that he was obscuring half the cue cards. <laughs> so I had to like process that. Wow, this is crazy. <laughs> and then just sort of fill in the blank. Sometimes they d- shuffle the cue cards in, uh, wrong. Not their fault. It's wild shit. Yeah, and, uh, right. You're like, okay, they got it backwards. 
to process that in a second, you know, and on live television. Being a re- being not only a good reader but a great reader was really important. And Phil was a great reader. Dennis Miller was a great reader. Mm-hmm. You know, could just look at the card and get it. You know, yeah. if you had any little trouble with just looking and reading, boy, it really could mess with you. Now, did you have a process that uh, that when you're coming up with a character, like is, is there is there tricks you use? Is there do you, like how, like how, like how do you come up with some of these characters? Because looking at your characters that have just been just legendary, you're pretty damn good at. You base it. them off of people you know, or uh... yeah. Well, you know, Brad was obviously my brother. Brad was Garth, and I did mm-hmm. that in the cold opening. The character of the guy who talks like this, <laughs> and so it's an infectious rhythm. You know, yeah. what do you want to do? And then I had to amp it up uh, eventually with Wayne's World a little bit, but. Um, How early into being uh, your brother did you go, oh, this guy is like, there's something, because, you know, there's something that just sticks out and you picked, that was his. I did him in my stand-up. I would tell the story. My brother was, uh, this brother, uh, the others are kind of artistic. He was like a science guru. He Mm -hmm. kind of helped design the first prototype for a thing called the Video Toaster, which was the first home editing system in the early 90s. Oh, my God. And he always had popular mechanics, and he... um, you go. He had a bunk bed with the older brother, uh, my brother Mark, and um, he had these sleeping bags around it and and lights in there. You went in like it was like a lair, and he actually had a computer. They had a sliding door. They were the downstairs brothers, right. this middle class family, fifteen hundred mm. square feet, seven of us, one bathroom, oh, and shit. he had three switches. You have to do them the right sequence for the for the to release. And my brother Mark forgot and he tore it off. So <laughs> Brad was the kid with the soldering iron and uh, all that kind of thing. So I I did it some stand-up about him um, just that I'd brought home what I thought was a dead frog and he had it wired up to the D-cell batteries and I'm like Brad it's eye is kind of twitching he goes yeah I brought him back to life he'll never he'll never die again now I don't know why that gets a laugh like he'll never die again was he Jesus I mean, but it's a rhythm thing a musical rhythm he'll never die again so that was that one you're big with that with the musicality of of the delivery, yeah? I think so, and I don't know. It always, anytime you talk about comedy, it just goes into, well, you know, boys, years ago, I was thinking of character. <laughs> yeah. Old Lorne Michaels needed a hit and needed it bad. Well, I just got a big cup of joe and sat down. He needed a song about vegetables, and he needed it quick. <laughs> yes, and there's something preserved, spiced, and chopped, and tethered in different ways. We, we, it's, it, it started, we tried mincing parsley, but that really didn't <laughs> yes. work out too well. And then right. we got to chopping broccoli, and we said, that's a hit, sir. <laughs> That's it. And never stop. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure people have asked you that, though, right? Were there other vegetables that you tried chopping up, or was broccoli the one that sounded uh, yeah, funny? They were yelling it out last night. You know? No kidding. Crazy. I only did it once on SNL for 30 seconds. I wanted to ask real quick, what were the cast members' reactions? Because the, the audience loved it, yeah, when you did it for the first time? It got good good reaction, but I didn't know it would last this long. I'd also <laughs> done it on an HBO special and, and one yep. other, Comic Relief. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea. Um yeah, and, and and even when you did it on your HBO special, you had already done it on Saturday Night Live at that point. And yeah. what, as soon as you start playing the notes and you kind of look to the audience and go, she was chopping some yeah, she was. The, the audience just explodes. They're like, this is our favorite part. Yeah, she chopping pakale. <laughs> I, I go by, um, this is my own personal philosophy. Yeah, yeah please. And, and take please. care. We're recording. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> To me, what most comedians do when they start, um, mm-hmm. they're with their friends in grade school or high school. Mm-hmm. They're not really doing jokes. They're not really – what they're doing is winding down a, either an impression of the PE coach 
or something that the teacher says. And they wind yeah. it and wind it till it gets to its core essence and everyone's giggling into oblivion. So I always think instinctually when I got to the small clubs, I wanted to get to a point in my stand-up, which I haven't gotten back to because I'm playing too big of venues. I've discovered that recently. <laughs> I'm not really good after 100 seats. I mean, why is not Jimmy Fallon's theater 700? You know, mm-hmm. why? There's a science to this. You know? right. And so I was like, if people walked in, they would go, why in the hell is this so funny? If they walked in <laughs> halfway through my show. And maybe it's a stupid thing to do. I, I appreciate great material, great observation, great jokes. Mm-hmm. But what really, really, I love the inexplicability of what Kubrick did. Yeah. Not that I'm, you know, I also like Porky's. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I liked uh, Monty Python stuff. A lot of it was pointed. Um, so I don't think it was a conscious choice, but I figured it out later. That in my stand-up, I always wanted to be a sketch player, but I didn't know it. It would infuriate other people. <laughs> like when I was doing one of the boys in New York, I'd play the improv, and, and I didn't know all the other comedians hated me. You know, what? not 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 personally. Yeah, but just like right. what is he doing? He's making voices. It doesn't even there's that wasn't no being joke. done. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy, this old guy, probably my age at the time, they don't like you over there. He's pointing to like four or five comics. But, you know, I don't give a shit. You're getting laughs. Who am I to judge? You know? You know? <laughs> and that so, guy? Tom Selleck. Oh. Tom <laughs> Selleck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sans mustache. <laughs> I said facial hair. Facial hair, something tropical. Sans mustache is a new show he needs to come out with on CBS. Sans anything is good. Yeah. Wait, so I want to get back to Garth real quick. So your, bro- so your yeah. brother, was was he the first, like, was that... Um, uh, since you were doing that early in your stand-up, was that when you kind of were like, oh, shit, like kind of pulling from people I know? Or or just did that give you more faith in yourself to go, this is crushing and I... It took a long time for me to get there. I mean, initially, I would like any comic. I was just doing, I do... Um I do Popeye getting kicked in the balls. I was just still in funny. Ho- I was in Cowboy. Still funny. Still funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would do um, John Wayne having sex. Well, up against the bedpost and spread them. <laughs> you know, you're just surviving in these honky tonk cowboy bars. I would do right. the X-rated Wizard of Oz was my closer. Oh my! And God, the song it. would was um, I'd get hard and I'd have foreplay. I'd even have some more play uh, yeah. if I only had a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this was just time when people... Uh, such obscure, yeah. but just funny, still funny. Yeah, I did Catherine Hepburn trying to start her car, and I did that early on. <laughs> so, again, it's ridiculous. <laughs> to me, the real funny is that you can ask how many questions of a, of a, of a comic idea. If you can get mm-hmm. to five... Then that's a keeper. Yeah. Why? Why does her car? Why does she talk like that? Why does her car sound like that? Why does she insist on keeping trying to start it when it sounds exactly like her? So you get to three, so that's pretty good. Yeah, you're doing all right. So you know, the more wise you want, like why? Why in God's name? Why is this funny? So that's what I did, and then eventually when I got to the other cafe, the little hippie dive in the Haight Ashbury, where I met my wife. Uh, it was so small that uh, I would just gently. Go, I'm going to be a character, mm-hmm. which was kind of corny. Yeah. Those. I had Bobby Slayton around me. Hey, yeah. Chinese people can't drive. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I had glasses. I had a trunk of props because I was trying to be Rob Williams. And I mm-hmm. put on glasses. Dana, babe. I'd start with just generic kind of characters. Would you go up in a character? Like you see sometimes. I would just wear glasses. Yeah. I had a little, um, a little drum and little drumsticks. I'd do a little drum and I was a character called Paris Franchement <laughs> for no reason. Love the name. I yeah. love, I'm Paris Franchement and I play my drum. <laughs> I was better then, really. I would, 
I was esoteric. I was experimental. I, I would lip sync to a Johnny Mathis song. I'd mm-hmm. take a drag of a cigarette, and then right as it hit, chances are the smoke would come out. <laughs> I had a, a puppet that didn't, the face didn't move. This bald, uh, weird, kind of looked like a Bond villain. Mm-hmm. I put my hand in, and spa- it was just plastic, and I would record its responses on a tape recorder, and I had Boy. a foot switch. So I'd go, um, oh, well, what do you want to tell us, Professor Reality? And then I'd press the recorder, and he'd say, my friends call me real. <laughs> and I'd say, oh, really? And he said, no, real. Five questions. Why is the puppet's mouth not moving? Yes. <laughs> why, <laughs> why does the guy have to press a thing on the floor for the puppet to talk? <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's why does he set him up? With, my friends call me real. Yeah, yeah. No one he'd say, oh, really? <laughs> Does the puppet find that funny? It, when you get to five, then you're, you're done. Yeah. It's over. Um, I mean, you know, why is the church lady trying to passive-aggressively entrap people and then say, well, isn't that special? Yeah. Redundantly devoting her life yeah. to trying to trap someone in, into being a sinner when, and, then, when, and then scolding them. These yeah. are sick people. Look at Hans and Franz. They don't lift weights. They have no strength. They're sadistic. Mm-hmm. They torture people. Yeah. They're paranoid. They're bullies. They just want to make fun of people for being wimps because they feel bad about themselves. Yeah, That's, and that, that to go from Arnold, let me tell you, I'm governor, and to go to this. Oh, look. <laughs> oh, it's crying. Look, and this is what these are a couple of new ones I have. But, uh, you know, look, I could, this one I like, I could dress you up like a little baby clown <laughs> and put you in the loser circus <laughs> where you would surely be a star. <laughs> I mean, that's a funny joke. That's the other one was, I could put you on a cracker <laughs> and serve you at a cocktail party and say, hello, guest. Would you like a girly or <laughs> So the idea that any human being would be all like, oh, shut up. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah, yeah. That's what makes me funny. That someone would get defensive. Right. How great is it that you get a character so well defined that really, I mean, the right, like the writing probably for those guys comes pretty easily, right? There's there's a formula for you. Yeah. Just um, it's a little it. They're so happy with themselves. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's like an archetype of a character is just is so stupid, but they're so pleased with their little lines. <laughs> yeah. Your buttocks are like marshmallows. <laughs> you're lucky I don't have a campfire here. <laughs> so again, so you're saying my buttocks are soft, <laughs> yeah. and you're saying if you had fire nearby, you'd you would, you would literally. <laughs> and why would I let you light yeah. my ass on yeah, fire? Yeah. So we're the four right there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, were those solid. were those characters based loosely on Arnold or totally on Arnold? Yeah, mm-hmm. initially you, you had to meet you met him first and then. Kevin Nealon and Dennis and I were touring, and Kevin saw him on TV, and he told me about it. And we started laughing at how organized Arnold's life is and how everything's yeah. perfect. So this is what we did as a song all summer. drove Dennis crazy. <laughs> this, is, this is Arnold pretty much verbatim. You know, you get to the hotel, and you run the stairs to get the light work out in. And then you take a nice light shower. You put on a white cotton shirt, and you're ready for the evening. You call Danny DeVito. You say, hello, Danny. <laughs> hello, Danny. <laughs> so then we, one night at my apartment in New York, we just decided to, to do his uh, 
not so bright cousins who worship him. Okay. And then at one point, Kevin said, and if you don't believe me, once we got the defensive thing, we laughed mm-hmm. for three hours. <laughs> we realized they were never going to lift weights. Right. They were only going to berate imaginary. And obviously, they've been fired and shit. Yeah. <laughs> fucked yeah. with their whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. And so they're just fighting back. So people initially, that thing didn't kill so hard because people were waiting for them to be really strong and lift things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when we just talked about torturing anyone who was watching this obscure show. So I do really still like doing those characters. Oh, yeah. They well, still make me laugh. Yeah, so how, I mean, how thrilled were you when the, when the State Farm commercial hits? Cha-ching! Cha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're happy about that, obviously. But. No, no. You know, your instincts kick back in. I mean, you know, by the time you pay, it's a push, you know, commissions, mm-hmm. taxes, no complaints. But, you know, it's not like I would... The ceiling would be taller, you know. Something. It's, it's also so, pretty incredible because you could take. I mean, there's so many of your characters that you could take and that are still relevant. Funny. Yeah, I mean, go, I mean that you could put in that people would go, "Oh, hell yeah, I'm glad to see that again." Well, it was fun to do it, and they they co- collaborated with Kevin and I. Yeah, and we wanted it to be a visual cartoon initially because yeah. I knew when people watch sports, mm-hmm. they um, it's screaming loud in there. So let's make it so it's kind of humorous without. Right. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So, so when you see Aaron Aaron Rodgers doing the ropes, and all of a sudden it backs up, and it's the Broomhilda's hair. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It, it's great. Or we're he's dragging us, and we're riding a tank again. Yeah. Where did we get the tank? <laughs> How long did it talk us to drag? How can he possibly? drag the tank and then he's dragging us on a, on a tank and we're berating him and what does he think of that so that's a fiver yeah there you go um so they collaborated with us so we wanted to make it funny so it was great i mean you know in today's fractured world mm-hmm. that thing is just like because it's on when football's on yeah you know it's just a lot of people see it so it's just fun you know it's just like why not? Yeah, yeah. When uh, church lady's on deck, she's ready to go. Oh, I was going right. to say, they're ready to go. Why not a church lady movie? Church lady movie, yeah, because mm. she is. She's like sixty-five. I'm still too young to play her, but yeah, church. <laughs> I did do an outline once, but Lauren did not have a Saturday Night Live studio things. So right, right. It was church lady in the Malibu Beach party. So that her car breaks down, and she comes in oh, like yeah. Judd Nelson's having a Hollywood oh, party. Yeah, oh, yeah, come on. That's well, well, well. We like we like to have a cocktail, don't we? And then our naughty area gets you know. You know, it's funny. We we had a censor named Mister Clockworthy with a bow tie and glasses. Get this out. is first year of SNL. I'm that's not a, kidding. That's short a character. Hair. No, no, Mister Clockworthy. And um, he said I couldn't say penis. What well, could I say? Mm-hmm. Naughty bulbous area. And he goes, Oh, okay. It seemed more pornographic yeah, yeah. when I'm going. You know. Bulbous. Are naughty, are naughty parts always, are swollen and yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah it, 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 it's always when you go around the sensor when you, when you go like around the word it sounds like worse like weirder or like, like yeah. if, if our if, bulbous say, tingly yeah, yeah. Or you say oh it, I got I like it in the bee hole. It sounds sounds weirder. (laughs) That that sounds wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't say vagina. Say protective. You know, leg slit. It's like what? That's not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe John Lovitz could help us with this. I I, I had her with her protective leg slit in front of my face. (laughs) I said I'd like to get a taste of that. (laughs) Was who jealous? (laughs) That's his go-to. Oh yeah. Did you who when uh, you're doing Garth? Was it your idea to go? He needs a, a buddy with him, or uh... you know, there's always a different story swirling around. Oh, that. Yeah. But Mike did not have a sidekick when he did it in Canada, and then he asked me to do it. Lauren had said later he sort of suggested a sidekick, and all Mike said to me was, "Your name's Garth, and you dig Wayne." So <laughs> that was so, your outline for the character. 
Pretty much. And then... Um, is that kind of how Mike worked? It was like, hey, like, here's, some, here's a little food for thought. I don't know. I mean, funny. I think it was the only full-blown collaboration that he had. You know, I had one with Kevin. Yeah. And I'm not sure if Sprockets had a sidekick or... I mean, coffee had, talk. Yeah, they had dancers in the background. That, yeah, that was yeah. Um, but th- so I just basically thought, okay, if we're doing Stoner Dude characters, you know, the Bill and Ted world. Although I think it was the best representation oh, yeah. and really cleverly written. Um, he, um, I saw that he had brown hair and a baseball cap. So I just, I remember walking through. And I go, well, I thought, I think I'll have blonde hair and I'll have these these glasses. And I just used the Brad character. Mm-hmm. As so he'd be specific, you know, and that's why in the movie, the first movie he has that stun gun. I mean, Brad consulted with me on that when he, they won't let him in the club. Excuse me, I'd like to get by now. <laughs> He's got all the. Brad told me how many batteries it would take. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like Brad was a consultant. He was that. a consultant on that. Oh yeah, and the second one, I had a T-shirt underneath that said "Video Toaster" just to help so Brad awesome. out. No if you look at the flannels, Garth has "Video Toaster." Wait, so did Brad? Uh, does Brad dress like? Was that also everything like keeping? Um, consistent? Brad is definitely on flannels and stuff. Nice. Yeah, very casual. Yeah. Bearded guy, and I imagine he loves it. Yes, yeah, because yeah, it's you're portrayed as you know a genius <laughs> or a really really smart, a tech nerd, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the same way I think the original Matt Foley sounded like he was pretty pumped that uh, Farley uh, personified him. Yeah, well, Farley, uh, you know, in his peak glory was you know the reason he is so remembered is because we we haven't seen anything like it yet. Yeah. Never seen a force of nature like that in a studio. Never since, I don't think. It's, he's Everyone keeps saying that energy in live in the studio was just like, I mean. He was just, just on fire. I did one as Ross Perot with Chris, and he was so game. He never called me Dana. I mean, the very first day these, some of these new guys arrived, I was on Letterman, so I just joked around. I go, he goes, a lot of new cast members. And I go, you know who I am? I'm the fucking church lady. Now give me a cup of coffee. You know? <laughs> and so he called me lady. So did Chris Rock. <laughs> lady. Hey, lady. <laughs> so I was doing Ross Pro, uh, and somehow Farley was in the sketch. So toward the end of the sketch, for whatever reason, I'm riding Chris. Go, right, I'm going to ride oh, you. Yeah, I'm going to ride you, monkey boy, or whatever I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Fatty, fatty piggy man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Squeal like a pig. And, he's like, you know, and, of course, Chris only could go all out. Yeah. Full 100 percent, yeah, yeah. The, those uh, uh, those impressions of the Ross Pro and the, and 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 the George Bush. I was in doing research for this interview, Dana. Interesting. Uh, I saw. I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate I it very much. A, a, a video of George Bush speaking at uh, Gerald Ford's funeral. Yes, and he quotes you. Yeah, he does. He does you doing the impression. He loves it. And I was down in Houston just a few months ago, and he was doing it. We are out in the deck having the? lunch with the Secret Service guys. Mm-hmm. We're off to the side, just four guys with dark sunglasses, yeah. you know, men in black over there. Yeah, yeah. Are those Secret Service? What do you think? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he's still got to do it. Yeah. Girly man. Oh, no, not girly man. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. That was the other one. And um, yeah, that's just another surreal thing along with Carell and Colbert. I've had a lot of weird things that I couldn't have planned, but becoming friends with him, doing charity events with him, exchanging you know Christmas cards, and he sends me letters. And this is Bush. Bush yeah. Sr. called me Election Day 2004 at home. Wow. So his son is running for re-election. Right. He just calls me. Oh, Mr. President, you know, how you doing, Dane? I go, well, isn't your son running for re-election today? Yeah, yeah, but 
How are you doing? <laughs> Bar and I saw a special last night. Wonder what you're up to. So, <laughs> wow. So weird. Uh, you do, know, do you have those moments where you just like take the phone away and like scream, like mouth to your wife, like, "Can you believe this?" Yeah. Shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the two of us went to the White House together, and so that was still our peak, most surreal show business moment. Oh, for real? After he lost the election. You want me to tell the story with Please. John Lovitz in it? Please, yes. Because I was on the phone with John Lovitz. <laughs> oh, God, got yes. call waiting. I heard this is the White House operator number one, hold for the president. True story. Go back to John. John, I got to go. He said, what? You have a bigger name? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So then he's talking to me. Well, people feel we're down. He lost the election. Mm-hmm. I made fun of him for four years on SNL. I might come out, cheer up the troops. And I was very naive, and I literally said, well, where would I stay? I'm already going to logistics. <laughs> you know, and he goes, pause. Well, you stay at bar, and I, right here. So then we ended up in the White House for what? two nights, had dinner, mm-hmm. lunch. We went to the Kennedy Center honor, honoree show with them. Um, you know, I was, I remember Tom Selleck was downstairs. I'm not kidding. He goes, where are you staying? I go, we're staying upstairs. Staying upstairs? No one stays upstairs. <laughs> Paul Newman was there. Oh Dan God. Quayle. Um, we, after the Kennedy Center thing, um, they were honoring Ginger Rogers, Paul Newman, whoever. And then um, Walter Cronkite said, and now, uh, you know, salute to President George Herbert Walker Bush for 50 years of service. <laughs> he turned toward us. We're sitting next to the president and Mrs. Bush. And um, the whole audience stood and gave him a standing ovation. So he's getting very emotional. And then we're in an elevator, a second later, Secret Service, and I think his daughter was there. And um, it was just a very emotional moment. I go, well, why yeah. am I here? Yeah. And then um, we went back to the White House. We toured it. It was kind of melancholy. It was gorgeous Christmas time. We saw where Nixon and Kissinger prayed. And we Jesus. were in the Lincoln bedroom. And, yeah. Um, and um, we saw the bowling alley, and uh, <laughs> and then the, the president brought us water. Anybody thirsty? Had a tray, and you know, all surreal, yeah, surreal. I, that I, was just just that, wild. That, that can never get that, that, that can never get typical. That can that can never get boring. No, no, you're boring. having you're having dinner, and he's got a phone right there. Mm-hmm. You know, in case Russia launches. <laughs> I, yeah, what, I was, <laughs> a little more a, pepper on the soup. Did that ring? Anybody? <laughs> Is that potent? But he had to go away, and um, there was something to do with Somalia. He had to deal with some stuff. And don't worry, I'll be back. I just got to kill some pirates. <laughs> pirates. <laughs> Telling pirates. <laughs> you know, I'm working. You know, I just made what I'm doing very, very in its proper perspective. Sure. How many things... Uh, uh, do you have like a, a list of highlights in your uh, of, of things that you're, uh, you know, um, because of what you do has provided some cool like, you know, opportunities like that? Like, has anything well, trumped the White House? <laughs> well, I'd say doing Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas's last movie for where I grew up was amazing. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. hearing them talk about, you know, I did five movies that year. You know, these guys that had independent films. They were kind of artistic, but yeah. they're also leading men and uh Hearing their stories, just hanging out with them was really, really cool. And, of course, getting on Saturday Night Live and hearing Don Pardo say my name. I was just going to say. Um, winning an Emmy and for performing on that show and having Bob Hope handed to me. Going to the oh, White House. Wow. What did Bob Hope, I mean, did he, you guys talk before or after that? Or just? No, I just, I, when I, was, I just said Bob Hope. You know, it was just people I'd seen as a kid, you know, just being around them. Um, mm-hmm. Robert Mitchum was on the show. That was cool. And Charlton Heston. Now, with all the stuff that you've done, that you've done in show business, now that your kids, uh, uh, that they want to be in show business, 
are you the guy that's like yes absolutely this is great or are you kind of hesitant or like like what were your thoughts when they came to you and said we want to start doing stand-up well i just sort of tell them what one is that every era has its own particular thing i mean you take the vaudeville performers who Mm -hmm. got into radio and then into movies so i grew up with older comedians Mm -hmm. everybody was 70 i didn't even think of a 20 year old (laughs) comic you know right um you know Jack Benny and and George Burns and Bob Hope and and then later on the second wave came they were younger but I just said it's all so different the only thing you can control is and it sounds really kind of corny cue violin is just getting better at everything mm-hmm. and I go there's complete whimsy I can't promise you there will be even a show like Saturday Night Live with that size audience in right. five years all I can tell you is that there is a way to make a good living at show business now for more people. Good meaning, you know, more than you could make and just maybe as a school teacher or something, yeah. you know. Um, so that's all you can control, you know. I think if you're getting into it, and I think that um, you guys could maybe speak your, uh, you know, younger demographic, but um, it seems like the virtual living day-to-day resume that is social media, that they're, and you see some guy in his room or woman with a YouTube video who now they have to hurry up and teach him stand-up because now they tour. Yeah. I can't wrap my mind around what it all means. I mean, I say in my act now, I, no one saw Led Zeppelin live and went, give me a week, I could do it. Yeah. But I'll yeah. see a rapper sometime and think, I don't know. Give me six months with some beats, and I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Is that that far from Chuck Broccoli? Yeah. I mean, you know, Pharrell Williams said he sampled the church lady or was influenced by that rhythm. Oh, so, shit. get out. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I, wow. I don't really know what it all means, but I know that if you like the arts and you like the form, like what we're doing now is brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have this. This yeah. is cool. Where we get to just. Um, do you ever do you ever think videos? back? Do you ever think that like uh, oh like, I know some people are like God if only I had like you know Paul, when we had Paulie Shore and he was like man if I had had Twitter bro like back in the day I would have during MTV <laughs> Spring Break I would have had fucking five million followers I could have tweeted out Biodome it would have people more people would have seen it and it was you know <laughs> or. Could, that's true but also in the youtube videos and stuff and he he was so he's like i'm so bummed i didn't come up during that era but uh it you know it's it's obviously the ups and the downs of it it's just now it's just like you feel like a little you know grain of sand in in the desert you know i mean i do think most media which is it's good is is trending to youth and sexuality you know you do live in a world where you know i could never beat kim kardashian's ass i i'd have to <laughs> i would have to kill somebody it's a sad realization when yes. you really sit yourself down and go it ain't happening dana That's- yeah imagine <laughs> sitting peter sellers down you're right. you're great <laughs> you're absolutely up but joey heatherton it's uh it's a selfie <laughs> from behind and it's oily and yeah. uh, and it's oiled up. <laughs> You're not- so being there, we're probably gonna just release it on the web. It's just not gonna get traction, <laughs> you know. So I don't really know what it all means, but I do know that if you want to treat it as something like I'm just gonna look at my feet and just try to get better at all of it, whatever it is, you yeah, filmmaking, uh, you know. There's so much more venues. I just don't know. Yeah. I, like, you could imagine. Well, how many Twitter followers would I have had in 1993? I have no idea. But, I mean, yeah, well over. No. Yeah. <laughs> Millions. If you're on Saturday Live doing that and, 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 those character, and those characters resonating, hell, there would be, there would be church lady parody accounts. Oh, yeah. You would have. have that's that's the thing, too, followers. is like, yeah, you would have accounts for all of those characters. And they could potentially have yeah. more than you. <laughs> that's true. I, I don't really crazy. know. I mean, it's not really my personality. Yeah. I kind of... Uh, 
I sort of was doing a Heisman toward fame a little bit emotionally. I may have mm-hmm. to go to therapy about that. But I, <laughs> I, when I first got, like, I got exhausted by it because, yeah. every, you know, everyone wanted to talk to me and stuff. So I was just hiding in my room a lot. It, it's mm-hmm. very nasty. I feel beast. like I would do that. I can't even imagine, like, the amount of, I mean, just as us coming up with stand-up and starting to obtain fans and followers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, fun. But there's every so often moments like, like I'm going home to do shows in Seattle over the holidays, and I have a lot of friends and family are coming out, and I know the afterwards is going to be a lot of post-show right. catch-up, and and it already sounds exhausting to me to do it, even though it's like fun and a part of it, but I, that's a small smidgen of what it's like for well, you. Well, so in, in the new era now, everyone has a camera on them, and that's become a new thing um, yeah. of the amount of pictures you know that you take, and it's the, it's tiring if you if you're trying. I don't know how people deal with it you know will ferrell or something walking down the street not really sure how they yeah. it's exhausting because then if you have a family it's a gilded cage then you can just stay right in your bunker and never go out but i i just got to such a, a perfect level where i kind of got out of the business in a way that and i do a lot of character stuff that if mm. i have a baseball cap and this and i kind of change my i do a jay leno down here <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait! A minute. I'm invisible. Who am I now? <laughs> yeah, you know. Wait a minute. Do you do a Jay Leno? Because that was one of my first impressions. I feel like we should have a little oh, really? Jay Leno. The oh yeah, I never. I don't ever thought mine was, mine was that good or anything. You know, yeah. I just you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's have a Jay on Jay for a minute. Here. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Jay. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just millionaires matter. arguing with each oh, other. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. It's a, well, I thought I, a lot of it's a head bob. I thought it was a head bob, and then uh, <laughs> I really kind of all the smirk. The smirk is always like, oh okay, like always. He, he's always about to cut somebody off. They always borderline going to say something inappropriate and <laughs> then you do that in your stand-up i don't i do I, when i first started i was uh, i did a lot it was the same thing like you said a lot of impressions like when i went to a friend's uh, uh christian water sports camp and they had a talent wait. night that there's a christian water sports <laughs> camp yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait wait and i was so the only wait. jew okay <laughs> i'm going back why to- is there a christian water sports camp? <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're the only jew in the christian water okay. <laughs> wait so like a christian water sports camp is that just walking on the water like is, oh. that, is that it is <laughs> too that, soon is that what they do? too soon yeah <laughs> too soon. no jet skis allowed <laughs> you must be jesus but i would do in the talent show i had my friends mm. i basically did a uh, Backstage with a mic, and I had my friend. I just improvised a conversation between Splinter. These are the impressions I could do at the time: Kermit the Frog, Sean Connery, oh. Bill, Bill Clinton, Arnold. And again, like my, you know, Good. Clinton and Arnold will just be, yeah. were based on yours. Yeah. And uh, and Mike Tyson. And then my friends mm-hmm. would just lip sync to whatever I was saying, wow. and they held their things. Um, That's how you start. But then I stopped doing impressions because then, uh, I mean, all I wanted to do was uh, SNL for a long time. But then once I developed, I sort of become more of a clear my point of view mm-hmm. of who I was. I was like, oh, I really kind of want to see what else. And I how have many to. years in does that happen? You think it was just the last couple of years actually that I yeah. kind of stopped wanting to do uh, I think that I, like with my kids and I think some younger comics that because they have the library of the history of comedy on YouTube yeah. I mean they're just barely learning how to hold the mic yeah. but they go I want to do meta stuff like Louie I go hold on don't try to do an anthem yet yeah, yeah. just get used right. to talking into Mike yeah you know yeah uh, th- yeah. There, there's a couple comics that uh, I mentor that are coming up and they, they keep talking about how they got to get certain material down and stuff. And I'm just like, no, get comfortable on stage. Yeah, you're, first three years don't mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Just in there, and they're like, when, when am I going to start getting booked on shows? When can I start doing TV yeah. spots? It's like, calm down. And that, that's the thing. And we were kind of talking about this before we got on air is like, why are we doing stand up? That's the hard part. Like, because it takes so long to get good. 
to 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 really get it doesn't to do you it. have to rethink the whole thing i'm yeah. telling you it, because you know i did i snl happened to me i didn't really think i'm going to be a sketch player on tv it, it was never it was never uh, on your list of like i'm going well i'd have to check back and i check with my wife uh We've been together since 79. I go, did I ever talk? And I think it was just generational. Did I ever talk about getting rich or famous? Mm -hmm. And she said, never. The only thing I talked about was in front of me. Like, I wanted to be the headliner. And I was very spastically, kind of neurotically competitive, like any, but in a fair way. Yeah. I'd be like, if I'd see someone, I go, well, even a friend, I go, I got to top that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's whether I did or not, but it's good. You were inspired. And when Robin would come back into town, he was famous, and he'd levitate the room, and he was just so wild and free and so confident. I'd be like, okay, I, I got, I got I work to do. So yeah. for a long time, I was trying to be him. Then I realized like, no one could be him, right. and I go slower, and I do more of these specific kind of characters. And he's this brilliant collage of this Shakespearean actor. I mean, what he invented, his construct, was ingenious, you know, just sort of the construct of a guy just on stage. Yeah, because the rest of us were holding on to the mic with yeah. our bits, and he was like, "Well, her wandering and just over here and look over there, it's crazy yeah. stuff." It, yeah, my uh, yeah. my dad saw him perform one time at a small club, and he walked out onto the tables. Yeah, and he's walking on the table, and, he's, and he starts no microphone. Just oh, he never did because the yeah. Shakespearean actor, he don't, he'd be away from the mic and all that. So being around that, and then of course seeing Seinfeld would come through, and you'd be like, "Man, his material is so, so polished, cool, and, so and good, polished, yeah. and." It's so thought out, and you just—I I went all around. I was schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. So you're an advocate of like watching, and and I, mean, I think we're all influenced. Whether you're gonna like, I know I've heard some comics uh, that are like, I can't watch anything because I don't want to like be. But I feel like you just are because you were influenced to get into it's it. Hard. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, do you like? Here's an example. Of what's really going on now? Like, we're all ad nauseum. We've got our smartphones, and we're just looking at them. And right. you know, Louis done it, and Seinfeld. I mean, everyone's swimming in this pool of of cultural phenomenon it's so rich and deep it's like in that case in a way you don't want to watch too many because you're like oh shit it's all taken now i can't do anything about how we're addicted to the web i mean what's your biggest web bit right now wait wait till i get my pen (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean i uh i mean i do a bit about with the phone how a buddy of mine you know was super drunk one night and tried to uh uh press uh the phone on the door to open it you know, and it's just about like having great drunk logic, and he like he's somehow brand- it would just yeah he thinks that, yeah yeah the whole thing is like, like it'll drink, do anything yeah, yeah like he drank so much tequila he thought he came home to the future and like you know and then it, there's the whole thing about him being Asian so then I'm like do you know stuff we don't like are you ahead of the time you know yeah. Brad what's that oh uh, current anything to do with web or smartphones God. don't have to uh, I mean I think army issue for my generation uh-huh. I want to ask you guys this too mm-hmm. Jesus joke mm-hmm. Lincoln and Hitler. To me, that's the trifecta that every comedian needs to have one take on Christianity, <laughs> one Lincoln, and one Hitler. I've got them, but yeah. Wow. All, uh, all it having to do with the smartphone, too? And you do a mesh. Yeah. Uh, the, it, the only it, thing I'm uh, doing Lincoln now, and I, this, I, I'm just assuming this is being done. It's not that original. But I just go, why when you do that, and it's all in this plaintive comedian-type attitude. Of course. Sure. Fake anger. Of course. You know, yeah. Isn't comedians course. like who are 35 want to have angst and they're yeah. just furious yeah. about yeah, Abba's yeah. new album? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't had any suffering yet, so they yeah. kind of fake it. They're oh, like, right. or they're really angry at other comedians. Yeah. Like, That's not comedy. But um, <laughs> just the blurry blob at the end when you buy something online, you have to put in the letters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what, you know, and then what's that about? And my friend truly did say to me, he goes, That's just in case a monkey gets a hold of it, the computer. 
So then I act out. The monkey could put in your, <laughs> why is your information. Why is, yeah. why is he trying to buy things on Amazon? <laughs> right. Why, why can't credit card? You can put in your number, expiration date, but he's flummoxed by the blurry blob. Uh, <laughs> consonants. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know the blurry. The, of course. Yeah, and what yeah, do you exactly. call that? Caption something? Uh, uh, cat, captcha. Mm-hmm. And that's a great observation, too, because that's just something that. But that must ev- be done. I couldn't uh, own that. But as I've an observation. never, I've I never mean, heard it. Yes. Never. So yeah. there you go. All, all you, Dana. <laughs> uh, where do you get your uh, inspiration for material? Well, I have kind of point? two things. One is yeah. I have a good problem. Then when I go on stage, the audience is usually when I'm playing, when I'm advertised, waiting mm-hmm. for me to do my SNL characters. Last night I was just teasing them. Wait, wait, let me get this straight. You want me to do characters? You've seen me do on television mm-hmm. as opposed to ones you haven't. You know, they're like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the old stuff. I kind of have one foot in both worlds because yeah. now I'm older and I'm, I'm better read and I think more about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to, um, f- you know, carve out original things in that territory. Because yeah. it's not really what they expect from me. I talk about feeling guilty at Whole Foods when I'm, especially when I'm squeezing avocados. Just the first world problem is I could be in a ditch waiting for the rebels to arrive, and yet I'm, oh, God. I mean, it's just that area that Louis touched on. He had that great anthem, everything's better, no one's happy. Yeah, right. But it's also just, um, just how much bounty we have and just sort of being aware of that because no one can just put the faucet on it. Water, fresh water. Right. <laughs> And um, out about it. I'm trying to think what other themes that I that I like to do. I mean, I, do your I'm, kids I'm, give you material? I mean, just being. I, I do, yeah. and I still kind of find myself snapping back to sketch. Like, and I love rhythms. Like lately, I've been doing the 25th anniversary. I used to do Scarface or Tony Montana at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinner. Whoa. And that was my opus. That was seven minutes. So people have been yelling it out when I do kind of Q&A at the end. Yeah. So I've been doing that again, man. I'm trying to wind down to where it's all. Because I like it. What here. So I, he's at Thanksgiving dinner. He's going. He's at, and again, it's just rhythm. Yeah. And this was a catchphrase as big as it was in that special. Pasa sweet potatoes. Pasa sweet potatoes. And that, in that accent, pasa sweet potatoes. And then he goes, I lower out a table, man. I see the Brussels sprouts. I see the salad with a curtain, but I don't see no yams. You know that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, that's sort of I keep going back. I do a thing about a New York actor, which is true. Johnny Stampanato. I make up the name. Mm-hmm. His kid was raised by a British nanny, and so the kid actually was developing a British accent. <laughs> nice. Hey son, this is your dad here. John. Hey, hey son, how you doing? I'm sorry I couldn't be there for your birthday. I'm up here. I'm doing three pictures back to back. Death. Mega death and super death. <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't be there for your birthday. And the kid's like, oh, it's all right, Daddy. Edwin is going to make me a sudsy tub, and we're going to have some pudding later. <laughs> hey, son, you got a cold or something? You sound kind of dainty. What do you mean, Father? I love you. Ever. Your name's Johnny Stappanato Jr. Repeat after me. I'm Johnny Stappanato Jr. So that's one sketch I do. I do a thing about... Um, Ventriloquism, where you can make $20 million a year in Vegas because you can talk without moving your lips. Same skill Mm in 1300 in England. How can you help the king? Well, I can talk without moving lips. (laughs) How does that look? And then I just hatched the whole idea of modern ventriloquism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, talk like this. He goes, well, perhaps you can make your hand into a puppet. Call it Willie or Sammy. (laughs) Have the puppet be lascivious toward women in the audience. Then you would scold the puppet. (laughs) So this is, you know, that's another, like, sketch one. I do a um, horse whisperer with a temper. (laughs) 
Easy, fella. Come on now, fella. It's okay. Oh, God damn it. Relax. <laughs> Uh, they're just hitting his sketches, and I can't yeah. really do them in the big clubs. I jettisoned all the. I do Michael Caine as God. Oh my like God. Like he comes down. I just want to let you know I'm God, and I made you, and you know, stop killing each other over religion. And, <laughs> Wait and a it, minute, because I can only do about three impressions, and Michael Caine is one of them. Oh, that's good. And I've that's never tried to do Michael Caine, but I think this is a time for all three of us to no, do you it. Just, it. When you do Michael Caine, you got to act like there's a taffy in the very back of your throat. <laughs> it is. It's very soft. He goes down like this. Right. She was only ten years old. <laughs> and they bloody killed her. He's got two things he goes up. Right. But I have him as God in the sky, and we ask him, why are we, is there a heaven? That's completely classified. <laughs> no. Why did you create sex? Because I like to watch. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> are, oh, we a, on that. are we a special planet? Yeah. No. You're kind of a C-minus. I made a few trillion of you. You're pretty good. You had Bette Midler and Einstein. After that, not much. <laughs> so this is That's like, got a crush. how do yeah. I... Well, you know, in a small club. Wow. I, I, as mm-hmm. I've gone around with my boys, I mean, when I... I'm in a small club. I find myself going back to my roots and doing this long sketch form. But when I'm in a bit a theater, a big club, I didn't realize all these years yeah. it was it mm-hmm. was uh, not good for me to play all these giant rooms for the <laughs> ching ching. Yeah. Money. Do you feel like you're just? I mean, more trying to fill the space more, and that's not as. They, I think they need to kind of read what I'm feeling. Like if I was at the ice house, I was doing the Scarface, so I was just really taking twenty second pauses. Pasa sweep botaros. I lower out a devil. I don't see it. So if you're 300 feet away, you're oh, not really, you know. Right. Yeah. So hearing. Dana Carvey's going on a uh, bar tour, and it's just going to be. <laughs> yeah. Or a black box theater. Yeah. yeah. Dana yeah. Carvey yeah. live at Buca de Beppo's. <laughs> uh, but the other side of it, yeah, I've been trying to talk about, you know, just how this generation, the silver tsunami, that at some point I'll just be in a chair somewhere for 10000 a month, just like. and sort of hatching stuff like that which is Mm kind of dark i mean i don't ever want to wear it on my sleeve like i'm edgy people are going to change what i say to them now are you aware of comics like me that look to you as uh like you're responsible for two of my greatest memories in comedy Uh, thank you the time you called me and i and and you left a voicemail which i still have saved on my phone yeah that's amazing yeah he plays plays it all the time because i saw i I saw this number i'm like i don't recognize this number and all of a sudden i just and hey brad it's dana (laughs) 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 that's funny (laughs) yeah and uh then the time uh, you got me on the show in mill in mill valley Uh, throck yeah yeah at the uh throckmorton and then i got to sit backstage and I was there with my opener, and you were there with Robin Her. And, and Mort Saul. Mort Saul. And you guys yeah. were talking comedy, and me mm-hmm. and my opener would just look at each other like, don't say anything. Don't interrupt <laughs> That's this funny. moment. I remember you in the wing shadow boxing, and I go, do you get nervous about this? And you were like, I love it. I, just love it. And I thought, what, what a great attitude. But that just says it all about stand-up. There is that gladiator into the dome aspect oh a thousand percent yeah you know i mean where yeah. you got to kind of manhandle the battle. situation yeah know? yeah i was uh, i was at the comedy store last week and joe rogan was on the show and uh it's funny you bring up the, yeah. the uh the uh shadow boxing because he's in the corner like doing like a kata, really like a full-on thing like and i'm like wow so he does it too even though he's fucking amazing at this he still kind of gets pumped up 
for the, one, the transition from mm-hmm. not being on stage to being on stage. Unless you're a lunatic, like always on. Hey, fellas, two sure. nuns walking to a bar. Because <laughs> you're just in the corner. You're kind of quiet. If, you yeah. have, if you've been in the hotel all day, you haven't really even been verbal. You're right. a little sleepy. Usually I get really tired right before I go on. Yeah. And then, ladies and gentlemen, please keep your cell phones here. You know, and now, welcome to the yeah. stage. And you're like, okay, Shit, I better I turn do it on. something. Yes, a thousand yeah. percent. I'll end mm-hmm. up, yeah. I mean, I've just in the last few years realized that same thing. I like, I'll slap my face and kind of like hit my, like just, and then mm-hmm. one of my buddies caught me doing it once. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I gotta like get some sort of blood rushing. I'm not gonna do push ups right now. It's too late. Plus, I don't wanna embarrass people with how many push ups I can do before shows. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, uh, you, got, you know, it's part of it is too sometimes, um, whether you have your acts in that kind of place or whether your ego's in that kind of place, it's just to go, I'm I'm fucking I'm it I'm, yeah. I'm the fucking I mean I'm just gonna you know in, inside your head just go right I don't have any fear because I'm just gonna bring it I got so many weapons they don't even know and you have to kind of have that side of you and you with a little voice going I'm scared I, can't <laughs> yeah. I just want to crawl in a hole and 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 that voice is always there I, I, as loud as the voice is of the ego of I'm funny I'm great I'm mm-hmm. just gonna be awesome which you need in some way shape or form because you got to believe that you're funnier than everyone in that audience you, you still that voice never shuts up of but what if you fail well and and sucks? i hate it and i never i when i completely when it goes away it's great and that mm-hmm. is the running report card especially if you're doing two nights three nights a row in a club mm-hmm. and so say thursday night you kill and it's all flowing out better than ever and then the second night you're you're the voice is going well that isn't as good tonight I cannot believe they did that. That got an applause break last night. What yeah. the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. When that voice goes away completely, mm-hmm. is when you're you're zoned. You're in the zone, and that that's kind of that was my goal last night. Mm-hmm. And then I come out and I spill. I had some Coca Cola in a bottle, and I just spilled it uh, dramatically. I mean, it's just you know when you spill like three ounces, it seems like four hundred <laughs> yeah, ounces. Yeah, yeah. Just foam and goo and sugar everywhere. I'm dripping and just complete momentum stopped. Oh, sure. It took me twenty minutes. I was gonna come out and make fun, you know, just be like. <laughs> and I thought, oh wow, total reset. And then you're just like, so it's a mind fuck, isn't it? How do you recover if you're doing like a new bit or impression or something, or do you just always crush? If something doesn't hit the way you planned, do you make a comment on it? Do you kind of just power through and keep going until you find? Um, it? It'll kind of depend. Depend on the moment. I, I will sometimes break it down, or you know, there's a bit I'm doing now that's a little bit uh, hit or miss because you know I don't know the sensitivity or political correctness of it, but I, uh, you know, as me being a white male, it's me. I do a a Chinese documentary that I saw about about China, and it's mm-hmm. about their their economy and their their structure, their government. But it's still me doing kind of a. You know, kind of fake Mandarin, although I'm thinking of learning it, actually. And <laughs> oh, saying, so you actually say something. So he says, I live in a village of 90 million people. And that usually kind of gets them, oh, that's interesting. So it's a long bit. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a whole story about uh, sort of American cultural imperialism, if you want to call it sure. that. Wow. How they're going to need. Dana Carvey grows up. <laughs> they're going to need all our stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Like he's on medication, he reads a self-help book and feels bad about his own life because Oprah says God has a plan for everyone. And it's like, she jump on you. And then his plan is this life. So, yeah. Wow. It's kind of interesting for me to, at this 
point of my existence doing this, it's a little bit like, how can I keep myself interested? I was just going to say, like, that's got to be the biggest. uh, Yeah, how can I keep myself interested? And so that's the only way is for me to stretch the envelope a little bit. But I find the stuff that really, really makes me laugh has a hard time getting mainstream laughs. Because I want it to be inexplicable, but not to the point where it's it's not hip. It's just like some of the stuff I've mentioned compared to uh, uh, the harder hitting bits that I have that are just yeah. easier and harder hitting. You know, it's, yeah, and, and I guess it's funny. Sometimes that my act can't follow itself. Right. <laughs> like I'll do an Obama thing. Right. And with what would Reagan do? Because like, and I, I don't even want to do Reagan anymore. But it's just funny to juxtapose. Of course. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you know, with the coalition, we're going to do the things we have to do with the partners and the Assad and the whole Kirsch Morgan. It's not, you know, just this yeah. messy. And then Reagan would bomb the shit out of people, come on TV and go, guess what I did? <laughs> it's just a funny thing it's to say. Not yeah. even Reagan. Guess what I did? Don't tell mommy. <laughs> so that whole chunk. And yeah. then I start doing the more esoteric stuff. So good problems to have. Of course. You Fantastic. Know. And then, uh, you, like, are you planning on doing, like, just more to- like more touring with your kids? Yeah, I mean, when I found out that they were, they're still doing all the crummy, weird little mics, but Mm -hmm. they'd show me pictures and it was like, uh, other comedians are the audience now. And the other uh, comics are looking at their set and kind of looking up. I go, well, that's not even really stand up. No. Mm -mm. So then I thought, well, we'll go, we went on some outlier clubs, so so to speak. There's one in San Diego, Imperial Palace. We went to Ventura. Ventura Harbor. Um, And I just took them along just because I thought, this is going to slow down their development, you know, that's all masturbation jokes, no one's really listening, no one cares. And and I think, I don't know if it's conspiratorial, but comedians love a comedian's comedian because they yeah. know it's one less guy they got to compete with. Yes. Yeah. Oh, were you played a silence for 10 minutes? That's the funniest fucking yeah. thing. I, <laughs> yeah. No one's ever no done one's that. No doing that, man. There's one gone. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah exactly. Don't worry so about I thought it'd be good for him to go, you know, to the future and then back to the, back to the you know. It's so, smart. You know, I think you know. also got, it's important to get a taste. Like those, when we're starting out, like getting a taste of those bigger shows to like, not only, um, start to get your feet wet on that uh, type of uh, venue and crowd, but also it's, it motivates you to go, oh shit, I want to not be doing these smaller rooms. Well, I want to, you know, and again, I mean, you're playing clubs and stuff. Yeah. It's sort of like at a, at a given point, you're like, well, what material can I do? What can I so-called get away with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I was playing the honky tonk bars with the blender, that's when I was doing, oh, oh yeah, I kicked in the testicles. <laughs> because I was just trying to survive. And yeah, then when I got in the little, the little non-hard liquor hippie dive that really informed how I was thinking of stuff and writing. Mm-hmm. So even now, you know, some of these big, big, not to dissuade them, but these big honking nightclub, comic nightclubs with full service uh, restaurant, as you're doing it, then mm-hmm. you're like, you know. You're going to do more uh, short attention span type stuff, right? Um, well, you're all, yeah, you're you're almost back to the roots in that in, in in that way because before you were competing with the blender, and now you're competing with the food and the presentation. Yeah, and and, and the my own smartphone that's in their pocket. That's yeah, buzzing. all that and my own past, which is yeah. like I said, no complaints there. You know, <laughs> I mean, if I shoot a special, I'm thinking of reasons uh, for all the reasons we're talking about doing it at the Throckmorton where Mark Pitt is but yeah. on his open mic night or his showcase night oh man because I've played that and they know who I am but it's not all my diehard fans right so I'm much more experimental I have way less pressure like the last special I did the audience was so nice the crowd was so packed and so I started here and then I had that voice the whole time I was like felt like I had a 
I was getting through a, a school test, <laughs> you know, yeah, which so, sometimes so, happens. Yeah, yeah. So, you all, so you almost want to be forced to build up rather than just I'd start rather have a shitty high. audience. But I have a whole, I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, I look at Netflix and I look at all the specials and... Uh, that seems like the way people are going. And uh, everyone's got a special, so what does mm-hmm. it really mean? And do they really, in, are they impactful? Does anyone really see them? I, I mean, so. I know that... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, like, I got quite. I got quite a few friends that uh, have specials that have seen bumps in their career because of it, and it, it's just another way of people are able to discover you. Uh, I, I certainly hope that's the case. I got one coming out later this year. You, have you shot it yet? I, I did. I shot it in, later uh, this year. It's getting late. Yeah. <laughs> Is it in a coming weeks, out on Christmas? Uh, not uh, not by Christmas. It's going to be mm-hmm. uh, early to, early 2015. Now, when, where is it going to show? Uh, either. Sh- Probably Showtime. Did New Wave do it? Uh, no, thank- oh. thankfully. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> so who did it? Showtime? Oh uh, yeah. Tell them the name of the special. Uh, fun size. Brad Williams fun size. Nice. Oh I, oh, I thought it was. I got a cool voicemail from Dana Carvey. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that was the original. Title. I'd be happy to do a forward. You know, come out in front of the red curtain with the tile. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Once in a lifetime, you see a talent that emerges in a way that's well, I could only call it fantastical. Is it like an eclipse of the sun or an, a volcano that hasn't erupted in a thousand years? You be the judge. But now I present to you, Brad Fitzgerald Williams. We'll give you, you a middle name. You better change your name. You know what? Um, uh, yeah, screw, screw the Morgan. I'm, I'm now Brad Fitzgerald Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, that's what's going to happen. So I was thinking of a, a virtual reality one, you know, Jack White, how you put on glasses yeah. and you're on stage. Or I was thinking of doing one where it's released in four 15-minute specials um, or, you know, 10 minutes a month and there's a storyline. I'm just trying to find a different way. I don't want to do one mm-hmm. that doesn't. And, you know, I can't show my well-oiled ass, although that would probably get some attention. <laughs> well, not you know. with that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> now, have, you, have you seen uh, our buddy uh, Harlan Williams? You know Harlan Williams, on right? the On the mountaintop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Force of Nature. Yeah. What did you think of that? Well, I, I think he's hilarious, oh, he's and I, I had to watch it. But I honestly, for, and this is for me too, Yeah. I almost have never finished a special, even yeah. my friends. I make it 35. That's I don't good. know why, and I don't know mm-hmm. why specials have to be 60. I think they should be 40. I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. 40. Well, look at the Comedy Central uh, when the people do these half hours. It's like 22 minutes, or even the hour when they air it. Isn't it like 48 four minutes? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. 44 minutes. Yeah, if you, uh, if you, if you include the commercials. Yeah, it's, it, it's almost like an hour. It's it, we we've hit, we've hit these milestones in our head where the special has to be an hour. You need a hundred episodes to get into syndication. These nice right. round numbers. That- yeah, what if we were releasing a new half hour every year? Like, what's are people that thirsty for thirty more minutes right away? I don't know. I mean, you know, I've thought about this more that my my kids are into it, and it, it it seems like like almost everybody, if they want, can record a special that gets hysterical laughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll see a comedian and um, you can tell they're, they don't really have the goods, but, you know, what the fuck? And they're killing. So, okay, that's been done. We've seen that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. not an accomplishment anymore. And then you get down to uh, anthems. You know, you get down to anthems, almost like a, a, a song, too, like a Taylor Swift song, you know. So that's, are there any anthems in your special, Brad? <laughs> wow, wow, wow. We didn't come up with any anthems, did we? Nothing that anyone can stick to. Goes right out the, ba- the brain pan. No, it's not easy. Um, Certainly not. So I don't know. I'm just thinking about all that. I tend to think too much. 
Well, well uh, Dana, we do want to thank you for having what? us in your yeah, home. We, 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 we don't, 10 I mean, minute break and we're yeah, back. Yeah, we could. We could talk to you No, forever, this is man. fun. I like this. I mm-hmm. would like to do this format, too. I was just going to ask. But I want to you... do it with you guys, but then it's called my show. I've got my two sidekicks De- that we actually Definitely need. okay with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, everything has to have a story, too. That's why sure. if I did this special and I said because of my Saturday Night Live pass, I'm shooting my special on an open mic where no one knows that I'm doing the special. As a way, because that this theater is set up, I have it tricked out. They won't know that there's any because people have cameras and so. You, so spots. you'll just come in. They'll think you're dropping in to do it. Yeah, I'll just have notes. Go what that? What else? Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think that's a great yeah. idea. And that's it's innovative. But you would you would do I'll a little just preface. Be better. I'll just be better. Otherwise, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. <laughs> prepare yourselves for something you've never seen. The greatest comedian in the history of God's world. You know, it's like yeah. Then you come out. Yeah. There's it's like, like flame throwers and everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old F troop thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask real but quick. Yeah, it's been fun. I want to ask real quick because you mentioned uh, that uh, when you would watch Seinfeld and Robin, uh, as far as trying to like using them as a, a feeling uh, bad about my various deficiencies right. they, compared to them. <laughs> right, but would they ever um, uh, take you aside and, and give you like because uh, you were performing with them, right? So, well, Seinfeld came through a few times. I didn't really hang out with him that much because he was out on the East Coast. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who were really mentors to me. Mm. I don't know. You know, I was with Buddy Moore and, and uh, as a manager, he was with Robin. Those guys, Moore yeah. Bresner, and they they would tell me uh, do do stuff from your personal life, and I I just had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, that's not funny. What do they even you know? And that took me a long time to do that. You know. But um, they also told me not to do characters, <laughs> and they told Robin to slow down. You know, so they were yeah. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Tom, I don't know if they did. Or and not. they told Tom Selleck to shave the stash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never. Um, so anyway, how do we close it up? Uh, I, well, we usually have people promote their social media or um, their tour dates, or uh, but if. Dana or or a fun anecdote, a <laughs> uh, clever limerick. We usually have. have <laughs> we usually have. I have a limerick. There was a lady from Magoo who smeared her privates with glue. <laughs> if they pay to get in, she said with a grin, they'll pay to get out of a toe. <laughs> you could do Liam Neeson. That's an easy one because it's just the growl. It's just a Liam Neeson growl. That's my title or something. This is what I start with the audience. I have skills I've acquired. <laughs> skills I've acquired over 30 years of stand up comedy that make me a nightmare for an audience like you. <laughs> if you laugh, no harm. I'll come to you. <laughs> but if you don't laugh, I could kill you. I'm not kidding. Anyway, he's just, that, you just try to think of who else to do because the fracturing, you know. What about a Tony Danza? That was one of my first impressions. Hey, I'm Tony Danza. No, like, <laughs> as long as you say the name, you're halfway there because I was thinking of going up and going, I'm, I'm, uh, what's his name? I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as you say the name. Right. Okay, people like, go, oh, okay. oh, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. Hello, I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh, that's him. Yeah. I'm Morgan Freeman. Well, I had Frank Caliendo come on stage. He, he came by. I'd never met him. So I said, oh, come on up because I'd be exhausted. I want you mm-hmm. at that point in my yeah. show. And he did, he just, his Morgan Freeman's like wound down to like some. Alien type level, you know, <laughs> yeah, and his, yeah, he's kind of he's he's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they are called impressions. I told my sons that they, that's your impression. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, it's right. not a cop, copy machine. Yeah, you bastards. <laughs> uh, you you want we close with a, a a church lady thanking us for being on the About Last Night podcast. It's called About Last Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. <laughs> we decided to have a podcast. <laughs> No one's ever thought of doing that before. 
How unique. Creative minds come together. Let's get a laptop, a couple mics, travel around, make some radio. <laughs> About last night. Well, that portends there was some naughtiness last night. Some drunken revelry, body parts, and fluids were swapping and moving all over Jesus' area. We don't care too much about the Lord our Savior. Thanks, Dana. Dana, thank you so much. Still a fun character to do. It's kind of trite and hacky, but there's something about it that's still... I think a lot of my characters are passive-aggressive, kind of like me, and I, I, I created them to reduce anxiety and feel more powerful. (laughs) <laughs> who wouldn't want to be like Hans and Franz yeah, we yeah. have our little microphones <laughs> our puny hands are grabbing them and our little our little girly girlies but which one of them are you closest to who is Dana close, uh, closest to church lady or wow this is like some inside the act yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. what's your favorite curse word <laughs> what's a church lady's favorite curse word mm. Mm. <laughs> my favorite <laughs> Uh, gosh, my favorite was <laughs> one of my favorites was uh, was doing uh, Johnny Carson with uh, with Phil Hartman because that was the only time on Saturday Night Live that I didn't care if I got a laugh because I thought this is so funny that I don't even care if they think it's funny because <laughs> it was the dryness of for those right. of you at home that don't know there's uh, you're watching a television <laughs> and uh, we're we're being broadcast over a little wire. So that was that was a fun one, Phil. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm rambling now. No, we do. We could talk to you forever. This is incredible. <laughs> um, well, so go go see Dana live. You'll be you're still telling. I, right? I mm-hmm. do. I have um, my uh, wife's Irish cousin set up my social media Great. thing. I wanted to do it so I wouldn't be a grumpy old man. Why yeah. no? We didn't need nothing of it. You little one. And I conform. see it now. You know, I have um, you got the Instagram. On Instagram, I have um, the film noir of Mr. Orange. Yeah. Yes. We um, just met the whole cast. This is, this is a big deal. I've seen the whole cast. Look at all the Instagrams. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the updates. And I just have a hard time with the idea. I mean, I like people that follow me and stuff, but I have a hard time with um, tweeting. Well, you're supposed to, like, bring them in. Like, mm-hmm. we're in this together. And, you know, right. I, at the end of my stand up special, I'd, have, I'd be kind of tearing up. I couldn't have done it without you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I have a hard time doing that, but maybe I should be doing it. I mean, but I'm everywhere. I'm all over the world. Yeah, Face, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, you can and reach uh, me. and soon starting his own podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. <laughs> yeah, you heard here's here a phrase first. I love, and I don't know. It's kind of 19th century British thing. Mm-hmm. What you suggest is nothing short of madness. The funny part is nothing short of madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good day to you. Dude. I think that was a short joke, uh, Brad. How dare Short you, of sir. madness? How dare <laughs> you, sir? And that's when you say, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Which is coffee. basically, fuck you, sir. <laughs> In British speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so thanks for having me. You're uh, the best. About Thank last you. night. About last night. Thanks for coming to the bunker. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Um, every 58 minutes, the electromagnetic locks will release you. You'll be able to leave. You'll probably right. have Timing. a little bit of time. Good. You have yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. in here. So. I appreciate cool. it. To thanks, all our David. ships at sea and all our sailors and all our men. I don't know. I have a British thing going on right now. <laughs> this is Paul McCartney for About Last Night. I'm just doing tags. With. This is Paul McCartney for About Last Night. You know, if you want to do a groovy podcast, try and fool you. It's a good old song. It's almost like Bing Crosby. All right. Thank you very thanks, much, Dana. ladies and gentlemen. Thank and you. good night. Show. That's the show.
you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.